Welcome to the Head Kick Podcast, where combat sports and entertainment collide. I hope that you enjoy today's show and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Now enjoy the show. Head Kick Podcast. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy Ryan the Warrior West Stone. And this is episode two of the Head Kick Podcast. So let's get it in, man. Let's just get right into it. Recap. USC Fight Night 147 in London. That was a that was a dope card. Um the prelims. Prelims, it they were okay. It was a couple of good fights on the prelims. Um the, the main fight that kind of stood out to me, not because of the fighters on the prelim, but because the way that the fight went during the prelims, it was um, Safarov versus uh, some, it was some dude from Romania. Uh, he was like a young dude, 24-year-old. Let me, let me bring his name up right quick. That fucking fight was crazy. That that young 24-year-old, that was his USC debut, even though he was like 8-0, 9-0, something like that as a, as a pro fighter. But he got his first loss that night, and that shit was not pretty. Safarov was delivering the most devastating ground and pound I ever witnessed in my life. His devastating ground and pound that he delivered that night was more devastating than the ground and pound that John Jones delivered on on DC the second time they fought. That shit was barbaric. But yeah, man, he he shattered old boy's orbital with a hammer fist while he was trying to put him in a heel hook. He f- delivered hellacious elbows from guard that I have never saw like delivered by any fighter with such force and impact like you heard the elbows smacking off of this dude's fucking chin and smacking off of his orbital you heard the shit bouncing like that that shit was gross man like I never saw no type of ground and pound like that ever ever alright so here we go yeah his name was uh the, the 24-year-old that I'm talking about, his record is now 9-1 because that was his first loss. And uh, Safarov improved to to eight, I mean, to 9-2 with that win. But the, the dude that was getting brutally ground and pounded, his first name is Nikolai. And his last name is like, I can't even pronounce that shit. It got the Nikolai Nagamaranu Nagamaranu or something like that. But yeah, he was getting fucked up. That was a fight that stood out to me. The uh, the, the Casey Duffy fight. Oh yeah, and uh, my apologies. On the first podcast, I thought that was Todd Duffy. But it wasn't. It was Irish Joe Duffy. So my, my apologies. You know what I'm saying? But the Casey, he got the win. Won by decision. And it was an emotional victory for him because I think he was like riding a, a three fight losing streak going into that and you know he got the victory back in the positive so it was a very emotional fight for him um the the one fight between uh McCann and Priscilla the Brazilian chick that was a good fight too on a pre on a preliminary side man like that Brazilian chick she was eating spinning elbows spinning back fists overhand lefts straight rights and she was just walking through that shit like literally living up to her name the 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 zombie you know what i'm saying she was walking through them shots like she was a fucking zombie literally she lost rounds one and she lost rounds two but it looked like she was about to knock mccann out in round three and mccann's fucking eye was looking atrocious like the the way her shit was swollen her eye was completely closed, so she literally was only able to see out of one eye for, I think, like, the towards the middle to end of round two and for the entire round three, and she still managed to, to win, you know what I'm saying? So that's that heart right there, but she was up 
two rounds to one. Uh, first round, she was doing her thing, got a couple of takedowns, went for two submission attempts. So she definitely had the, the decision all the way in her favor. But that, that was another good fight. I, I definitely enjoyed watching that one. Uh, let me see. What was another good prelim? Oh, yeah. Danny Henry versus Dan Eag. Eig, whatever his name is. He got submitted in the first round. Dan came with the, the nice submission victory. That was the the quickest fight of the night, actually, for the whole entire night. But other than that, the main card, the main card was good. I enjoyed it. Of course, the highlight was the main event till Masidal, but. The first fight, the first fight was, uh, it was a slugfest between two, two Englishmen, fellow Englishmen, you know what I'm saying, the crowd really ain't like that shit, to be honest with you, they was blowing the fuck out, the, um, the winner, Jack Marshman, uh, the Claudio Silva, that fight, Claudio Silva versus Danny Roberts, that fight right there was, that was a heart-wrenching fight, because Danny Roberts, hometown kid, had the crowd behind him. You know what I'm saying? He was doing this thing. Even on the ground, he was defending himself. It was one It was one instance where it looked like it was going to get real, real bad for him. Like, kind of towards the end of round two. When uh, Claudio Silva had him pinned down on the ground. I think he had him in, like, side control or some shit. And Danny Roberts managed to fight his way back up to the feet. Towards the end of the round. And he started rallying shots together. Like, he was doing his thing. Then he got put in that arm bar in round three. And he fought his way out of it. Like, he clearly stepped over. It's one thing if you're screaming in pain. But you're not verbally saying, you know, I quit or I tap. You're just, you know, not even screaming in pain. You're just, like, really groaning or some shit. Because your, your arm is being locked. But you're maneuvering your body to try to get out of it sorry about the sniffles you know i got a cold and shit but um so yeah if you if you making noises simply because something on your body is being locked a joint of yours is being locked and you're moving from the side or to another position to try to free yourself from that but you're not verbally submitting it, it should be no reason why the fight gets called so i completely feel him you know what i'm saying you know when you can't take no more, like, we're all taught in jujitsu class, fuck your ego, if you get put in a submission, and that shit hurt, just tap, don't fight it, just tap, you tap, reset, do it again, it's better to tap, when you feel that, that little bit of pain, you know what I'm saying, in training, compared to being a fucking dumbass and you feel your goddamn elbow is being bent backwards at a, a 472 degree angle and your shit about to snap 416 times but you trying to be tough and you're not tapping like your your partner when they're doing moves on you when, when we're drilling different submissions we're trying to learn how to do it the real way. So when we apply joint locks, when we apply rear nakeds, kimuras, triangles, arm bars, go-go platas, whatever the fuck it is, you're taught to do it the right way. And what I mean by do it the right way is proper positioning on whatever it is you're applying the submission hold to. So if you have to do this for real, let's say for a self-defense scenario in real life, you properly know how to put someone in an arm bar so that you can snap the arm or hyper extend it. You know how to put someone in the rear naked so that you can choke them out to the point where they go unconscious. If you don't do that the right way in practice and you assume that you're doing it because your partner is just simply tapping every time, then that's you're really not learning shit. You're not learning how to do it. You're just 
assuming that you know because your partner is giving you false confidence so we're taught to do it for real so when we feel that little bit of pain because you're doing this shit on us for real we tap in training so that we can reset but yeah so danny roberts he knows the difference you know what i'm saying i know that man did not verbally submit who won't verbally submit during a fight and then get that distraught about the decision come on man like it was a lot of bad reffing going on during that event i can't say that horrible ass reffing it was cause that i didn't even understand it was times when fighters they were on the ground actually working and shit and they got reset the motherfucking safarov dude who went against nikolai he was grabbing the cage repeatedly like that dude should have been disqualified for real for real like this dude grabbed the cage like no exaggeration like i put this on everything i love this dude grabbed the cage like at least seven times in the same round like this dude man i don't i don't understand these refs sometimes man like i don't be understanding the officiating that goes on but fuck all that shit um, the, the Edwards versus Nielsen fight, now that right there, I think Leon Edwards showed a lot of people that he has the ability to stop guys who are good with, with the grappling and the ground game, and at least be able to defend that shit, and if they do take him down, be able to survive well enough to not sustain substantial damage, at least according to the the Nelson fight from uh, USC 147 fight night, but um, yeah, I, I think he he showed that he got that side to him. You know, he got the he got the victory. It, it really wasn't an exciting fight as far as like you know big big highlights, but it, it was all right. It was okay. But the fight of the night though, we already know. Till versus Jorge. Man. And I'ma keep it real. Like I like I like Till and I like Jorge. You know what I'm saying? So it was like hard for me to choose. So if you listen to episode one, I did my fight predictions. So out of everyone I predicted, I'll I'll, I'll do the tally later. But um yeah, I was just like predicting who I was think who, who I thought was going to win and I had a lot of hope that Darren Till would, would be able to pull it off but he didn't so Jorge definitely surprised me it wasn't surprising that he, he was able to knock Darren Till out because Jorge always had that knockout power he displayed it multiple times you know what I'm saying? But so did Darren Till. I just thought that Darren Till would be able to impose his will a little more. But, hey, it is what it is, man. That was a hell of a knockout on Jorge's behalf. And I know that everybody in that goddamn arena was shocked when they saw Darren Till fall lifeless to the canvas like that. And then that fucking... Backstage brawl, man. That shit with Jorge and uh, Leon Edwards. I mean, obviously, you know, they didn't show that shit on the card. It, it happened backstage, so, you know, you had to be on YouTube and shit like that to see it. But, man, I told y'all on the first podcast, man, Jorge from the streets for real, man. He ain't on that, that fuck shit. Leon was talking that, that British bullshit. And Jorge gave him hands. Razor Ramon style like, bing, bitty. Leon was leaking out his damn eye and shit. He was probably talking that shit like, I beat your bloody bum, yeah? You little hulk nobler. And then that nigga Jorge was like, what you say to me, man? Bing, bitty. Shit got the leaking like, oh, my bloody god. I bleed out my bloody eye be his ass backstage but yeah man all together collectively the ufc fight night 147 it was it was a dope card on espn plus man so 
it was cool, but I'm looking forward to this next pay per view though. So, yeah, man. How many of y'all out there drink energy drinks? Like Red Bull and Monster and all that shit. I drink those. Well, used to drink those. But the, uh, the main thing that I'm really drinking now, as of now, for I would say maybe the past week and a half, are these all-natural energy drinks called Alani New. My favorite flavor right now is the Cotton Candy Grape. That shit is amazing. Real tough. Only place you can get that from is GNC. So if you have a, a GNC somewhere near you, or if you don't, go onto the website, gnc.com, and order you some Alani New. But Alani has more than just energy drink products. It's all body fitness like all wellness products so she has like whey proteins collagen um and a few other things as well but me personally i only had uh two different energy drinks by her the uh the cotton candy grape which is my favorite and the um the orange mimosa the orange mimosa is all right but i prefer the cotton candy grape um Another new energy drink that I tried, I only had one, and I don't really know about this energy drink. I mean, it was okay. I just didn't like the way that it made me feel after I was done drinking it. It's, uh, it's called Lit. And I looked on the can because I wanted to see if it had any niacin in it. Because I don't know if you guys ever had niacin pills before or took niacin pills, but pretty much the purpose of niacin pills, they're the the medical purpose for them are to clean out the inside of your body to help you know get rid of wasteful toxins and stuff like that that lay around and reside within your system that just cause bad things that happen to you on the inside. That's when you take niacin pills, it helps get rid of that. So that creates that like burning, stingy, itching sensation that is associated with niacin pills. So when I was drinking this energy drink, which I also got from GNC the same day that I got the um, the Alani News, um, this energy drink lit. I was drinking it and I was headed to the gym. I was, it was actually my second time going back because I had went previously that morning for um, an hour session of just straight MMA grappling. And then I was going back for MMA striking and Muay Thai later on that evening. So while I was driving to the gym, I'm drinking this lit energy drink and it tastes good. It was cool. And as I'm drinking it, I'm like maybe three-fourths, you know what I'm saying? Three-fourths into the can, my fucking forehead and my goddamn face start like burning and itching. And I'm like, man, this feel like I just took some niacin pills. Let me see if it's niacin in this. So I look on the can and... <laughs> I don't see niacin anywhere on the can. So at this point, like, I'm burning, itching, and feeling weird and shit. You know what I'm saying? You can literally say I felt like I was lit, like I was on fire for real. So I go up in the gym, go in the locker room, change, you know what I'm saying? Get my gear on, hop in the cage. And we're we're doing the the MMA striking, you know what I'm saying? So I'm burning the fuck up. I'm lit as fuck right now, itching and burning, burning and itching. You know what I'm saying? Licked in the motherfucker, but I'm sweating profusely. Now I sweated hard as fuck before, but not in this short period of time though. Not like this. So I'm sweating my soul away. And one of the instructors, he's a he's a pro fighter as well, the homie Aleska, you know what I'm saying? Shout out Aleska Kamor. If you don't if you don't know who he is, look him up on YouTube, you know what I'm saying? You can see his last pro fights. Dana White. Get his dude a call, you know what I'm saying? 
the fuck wrong with you. Stop fucking around, man. But anyway, so like I, I asked him, like, hey man, you ever heard this energy drink called Lit? And he was like, no, nah, I never heard of that before. And I'm like, hey man, I drunk this shit, and like right now, I'm burning and itching. Like I took heli niacin pills or some shit. Like is this shit normal? Cause it didn't say it had any niacin in the can. Like am I having an allergic reaction or something? And he's, you know, he kind of, like, chuckled at me and shit. He was like, nah, man, you should be good, man. Like, when you drink an energy drink and it, it gives you that feeling, that's how you know it's working. Like, me personally, I like the energy drinks that feel like that, that, that make me have that little itching sensation. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I ain't never had no energy drink that made me feel like this before. I only felt like this when I took niacin pills. Oh, yeah, and an AKA for all my weed smokers out there who already know. We know about niacin pills because when we was younger, we thought that if you couldn't get no clean piss, just take some niacin pills and that shit will help clean out your system. But it don't. It's just a myth. You know what I'm saying? Only thing that niacin pills do, they make your piss undetectable to the point where it can't be read. So in a lot of cases, for like, you know, probation and even shit, some jobs, they'll rule an undetectable sample of urine as a bad one, as if, you know what I'm saying, like it's a failed test. So, yeah, but anyway, that's just a little side story. So, yeah, he said pretty much all I got to do is just keep moving around and then I'll, I'll eventually just end up sweating that shit out of me. And that's exactly what happened. You know what I'm saying? So by the time the class was over with, like I was completely, I was completely done as far as with the itching and the scratching and all of that shit. But the last energy drink that I, I would put in my in my recent threes would be just the the series of all of the bang energy drinks that i tried before and um that's like a main drink that's hosted at our gym because stipe was like the most sponsored athlete for that you know what i'm saying did the little bang advertisements and all that shit so we have an assortment of bang energy drinks up at strong style and my personal favorite um, I would have to say it's probably that, um, probably that, that cotton candy unicorn one. That and the champagne bang. Those go hard. The champagne bang tastes like a, a cream soda. But the, the good part about the bang energy drink is it has creatine in it. So you can use it as a, as like a pre-workout energy drink. You know what I'm saying? And then go get it in. And it helps vitalize your mind as well. So you can stay focused during the workouts with energy. And you can have the BCAAs to help with the muscle production and, and output while you work out. So, you know what I'm saying? I would definitely recommend drinking a bang before working out. I wouldn't recommend drinking a bang if you're not going to work out. Because that fucking creatine is just going to sit in your system. And once too, once too much creatine get in your system, your ass gonna have hemorrhoids. And then when you get hemorrhoids, your ass gonna be walking around looking like Yosemite Sam with two guns on your hips from goddamn Looney Tunes and shit because you can't fucking walk right. You know what I'm talking about? So I wouldn't recommend just taking a bang and sitting around. You know what I'm saying? Drink a bang and work out. Just like I definitely would not recommend just drinking a lit energy drink and doing nothing like your ass gonna be lit for the whole day probably like i can't even imagine what i, I would have felt like if i just would have just casually bought that shit out out of gnc and just drunk it without no intent of going to the gym that day like i would have been fucked up for real for real i didn't even feel that bad when i took niacin pills you know what i'm saying this shit had me fucked up like if I was the rub in between my forehead, like, it felt like I was making a red line and it was itching everywhere my finger was moving and shit. That shit was weird, man. But yeah, the golden age of Muay Thai, that's the best 
years of when Muay Thai was really, really, really like on display. The, the Muay Thai that we have now is like, it can't be compared to the, the golden age of Muay Thai because the Muay Thai we have now, I feel personally that this Muay Thai is within its own age. But like those golden age Thai fighters like Peter Sugarfoot, Cunningham, you know what I'm saying? Raymond Deckers, the real Sagat, who they based the Street Fighter character off of, you know what I'm saying? That shit back then, those dudes, man, those were like the trendsetters. But Raymond Deckers was was more so like a, a hybrid crossover because he was he was a Dutch kickboxer that mixed it up with the ties and he defeated a legendary tie. I don't know the name, you know what I'm saying? I have to go back and, and do my research. I might talk about that on the next episode, you know what I'm saying? Because when it comes to the golden age of Muay Thai, you can talk about that for centuries, you know what I'm saying? It's so many countless fighters that can be named from that era, and I can't even pronounce 1% of their first or last names, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But... The golden age of Muay Thai is definitely something to marvel at, especially if you practice Muay Thai now. And all my true knock Moys know exactly what I mean. Like, those fighters back then paved the way for the shit that's being done now. It was next level dudes back in the 1960s that fight like fighters fight now in Muay Thai. So, just the, the beautiful art, you know what I'm saying? Beautiful violence, Muay Thai. Love it, love it, love it, love it. But Raymond Deckers, though, that was my dude, man. For real, for real. Raymond Deckers was the man. And it was fucked up when he passed, you know what I'm saying? I think he passed, like, back in 2014. Let's see. Let me look at it right quick. But, yeah, man, he had one of the most aggressive Dutch kickboxing styles ever, in my opinion. He was the face of Holland, the face of the Netherlands. You know what I'm saying? Raymond Deckers was a fucking savage. He used to set up some of the most nastiest body shots with the hands. Some of the most nastiest low leg kicks. Just fucking chop the bottom of your legs right from underneath your feet, man. Like, Raymond Deckers was a fucking savage. But Peter Cunningham, he was more so like a, I would say like a, a, a sport karate TKD type dude. But he infused that with the Muay Thai. So he had an array of kicks that shit was unprecedented, especially back then. And he was so good, you know, he started showing showing up in different Hollywood movies and shit. Like, Peter Sugarfoot was the man. He had a legendary battle with Sagat. That was a legendary battle, one of the most historic Muay Thai bouts ever in history. You can look at that shit right now. Go on YouTube and type in Sagat versus Peter Sugarfoot. That would be one of the most amazing Muay Thai fights you will ever see in your life. I guarantee you that shit. Everything I love, bro. Go watch that shit. That shit would be raw as fuck. That nigga Peter Sugarfoot, he had hellacious kicks for years. He used to do front side axe kicks on motherfuckers. Spinning tornado kicks. Oh, motherfuckers. A spinning wheel kicks. Oh, motherfuckers. You know what I'm talking about? He used to do all types of crazy-ass shit, man. Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham. And he was a black dude holding it down back then. He fought anybody. He fought Thais. He fought Dutchmen. He fought Asians. He fought black niggas. He fought white people. It didn't matter. If you was in that ring, Peter Sugarfoot was about to give you them hands and them feet. You know what I'm saying? To the best of his ability. But uh, Raymond Deckers, yeah, okay, so I was wrong. He passed away February 27th in 2013. And what is that, Breda, Breda, Netherlands? But yeah, man, he was a fucking animal. 
at 132 pounds. Fucking savage. He was active from 1986, huh, that was the year I was born, to 2006. What is his record? His record was... It says, by knockout, 95, losses, 35, draws, 2. Yeah, so, okay, so his actual record was 100. Well, it says kickboxing record incomplete. But it says 186 wins, 95 TKOs or KOs, 35 losses, and two draws. Yep. So there we go, man. Deckers was a fucking beast. Sagat was a fucking savage as well. He was so savage, the goddamn people that made Street Fighter Konami, they based a, a character off of his ass. Like, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Tiger, uppercut, Tiger, knee. I used to hate fighting Sagat, old, long, lanky head ass with the goddamn eye patch and shit. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Used to keep doing that bullshit, man. Don't you remember playing Street Fighter back in the day on Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis and shit? Now, you gotta be like, you know, born before the 90s to really know about this shit when it was in its essence like when it was actual arcades that that kids went to not like you know logging in on the playstation network to go hop in a fucking playstation party to go talk with their friends like no nah, when we actually gathered up as many quarters as possible and met up at the arcades to spend hours playing the arcade games together and shit like when when your friend knew how to press down forward punch to be like, Tiger, that's all they was doing. You was either Ken, Ryu, or Sagat. And then they had Akuma as well. You know what I'm saying? But the, the popular ones was Ken and Ryu. If somebody had Sagat, you knew he was doing nothing but Tigers. So it was like, Tiger, Hadouken, Tiger, Hadouken, Hadouken, Tiger. Non-stop, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, Street Fighter. The character Sagat is based off the real Muay Thai fighter, Sagat, the legendary Sagat. Let's let's look up Sagat. Um Sagat's record. Yeah, I can't even pronounce his name if I wanted to. It's Sagat Petchianindi. I don't know, but uh let me see his record. What the fuck is his record, bro? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, as I'm as I'm looking for that, um, Sagat is still alive, and Peter Cunningham is still alive as well. You know what I'm saying? And Sagat, he he passed down a lot of his teachings. He was a very, very successful Muay Thai fighter. Multiple-time Lupini Stadium champion. Yeah, so his entire career, he had 317 fights, 266 wins, 40 losses, and 11 draws. That is phenomenal. He said he has 151 knockouts and them 266 wins. That's fucking crazy. So, yeah, he passed down his knowledge to the fighters that trained under him. And he fought all over the world. All over the world. Definitely look up some golden age Muay Thai and speaking of YouTube it's a lot of helpful YouTube channels out there that I personally watch you know what I'm saying to get inspiration and to get ideas for new drills and techniques and different things to work on exercises so I'm gonna just personally 
shout out some channels that I fuck with. You know, and this is not in any particular order at all. So first channel would be Fight Tips with uh, with the homie Shane Faison. Like I've been messing with Fight Tips since 2012. I got into martial arts in 2013 and been doing it ever since. But I was messing with Fight Tips back in 2012 and Shane's videos, even back then, it was kind of getting me motivated to kind of want to, you know, dibble and dabble into the into that world. I always wanted to get into martial arts as a kid, but it's just, it, it never was something that really stuck in the forefront for me, per se, growing up. You know what I'm saying? It's like I always had the the will to want to do it, I always had an interest in doing it, it just wasn't something that I felt at the time, something that was important to me to want to dedicate the time to because it just wasn't important to me at, at that time in my life, you know what I'm saying? But when 2012 came, for some reason, you know what I'm saying, I don't even know how I came across the Fight Tips channel, but I came across it. And I like the way that his tutorials were. They were like very easy to understand. And it sounded like he knew what the fuck he was talking about. There's a lot of people that talk about shit and they don't even know what it is they're really talking about for real. They trying to paraquote and paraphrase shit that they done heard somebody else say. And they assume that that person knows what they're talking about. So I didn't know. What was what, you know what I'm saying? I ain't know about McDojo's or none of that shit until I got into the, the martial art world, you know what I'm saying? Then all them things started to come to the forefront. But yeah, I've been following Shane ever since. And shout out to Shane, you know what I'm saying? He's a humble dude. He got heli tutorials and, and multiple aspects of this shit, man. Not just, you know, techniques and tutorials. He, he has things like, you know, nutrition, stretching, different tutorials for this, lifting your spirit, boosting your mental aspect, fight preparation. All of those things are very, very, very helpful, and he's a very knowledgeable dude. So now he, he's doing seminars around the country and around the world, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's just raw to be a part of something like that. Because I remember seeing him still in Philadelphia doing boxing drills on a rooftop. You know what I'm saying? Now he's living the dream. So shout out to Shane Faison and Fight Tips, man. So if you guys want to check out a good channel, I definitely recommend going to Fight Tips and subscribing, man. Like he says, Fight Tips for the underdogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next channel would uh, have to be MMA Shredded. AKA Jeff Chan, the Canadian homie. Man, he's a fucking beast, man. MMA and Muay Thai. He probably a beast at grappling too. I, I don't think I saw him like rolling, rolling with people. I saw him like, you know, pull off submissions during his like um, MMA fighter vlog videos where he shows like, you know, his week of training or whatever. I know he got ground game, but I would like to actually see him in like a straight up grappling match. You know what I'm saying? I, I think he would definitely smash some shit. But yeah, Jeff Chan, MMA Shredded, he has very helpful tutorials as well. He does analysis, so not only does he break down the techniques and how to do them, he actually shows you real-time sparring footage of him actually pulling the techniques off that he just broke down for you to be able to do and i think that's dope as fuck so not only is he going into detail on how to do this question mark kick that sanchai pulls off he also shows you him pulling off that same question mark kick multiple times on different sparring partners and real sparring scenarios like that shit is raw man so if you want to follow another good channel, I definitely recommend going on MMA Shredded. Either look at look up MMA Shredded or just search Jeff Chan. Uh, the next channel I want to talk about is um, the Muay Thai guy, Sean Fazen. I mean Fagan. 
<laughs> my fault. I used to always get Sean Fazin and Shane Fagan. See, look, I'm fucking their names up, man. Hold on. It's Shane Fazin for Fight Tips and Sean Fagan. That's the Muay Thai guy, the knock, the knock Muay Nation dude. So, yeah, the next channel that I want to talk about is Sean Fazin. I mean, fake. Oh my gosh. Sean Fagan. The Muay Thai guy. Yeah, there we go. The bald head dude with the beard. You know what I'm saying? That be kicking the shit out of people and uppercutting the fuck out of motherfuckers. Yeah. His channel's raw as fuck, too. He does the same thing as far as, like, technique breakdowns and analysis. But uh, I think I think he's more so stationed in Thailand. He's an American, but he lives in Thailand, I think. But he still comes back to the States and does things. But he's an active pro Muay Thai fighter right now. He currently fights. So does um, uh, Jeff Chan. Jeff Chan fights as well. Um, but, yeah. Sean Fagan, he he has these like vacation getaways that he does where it's like, you know, Muay Thai training, but in beautiful areas like Costa Rica and Thailand. Like, man, that shit is dope, bro. I like to go to one of them, bro. You know what I'm saying? I like to go to one of them motherfuckers, bro. I can see it now, man. Me and my girl and shit, man. We up there on the beach and shit. You know what I'm saying? Throwing around kids. On the beach and shit. As the goddamn sun is setting. You know what I'm talking about? Man, that shit would be raw as fuck, bruh. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about coming in, throwing elbows. Like, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey. On the paths and shit. As the waves crashing with the crystal clear water splashing and shit. Birds and seagulls flying past. Wind and shit blowing, man, that shit be raw, bro. But yeah, man, definitely fuck with Knock Moy Nation, man. He breaks things down, and he does collaborations. So I think it was a couple times when he did videos with um uh Shane Fazin, and he did some videos with Jeff Chan as well. Matter of fact, he has a, um, a sparring breakdown video when he actually sparred Jeff Chan, man. They was getting it in. And like, like uh, the Muay Thai guy said, Jeff Chan kicked hard than a motherfucker. They had shin guards on too, and he was still blasting them fucking legs. I can't imagine what it'd feel like to take a leg kick from his ass. Like, I remember when um, Shane Faison said he was training at CSA out there in, uh, in Dublin, California with Coach K, and he was sparring with uh, Gaston Bolanos. The dream killer, and he said Gaston low kicked him so hard his ass threw up. I'm like, God damn. So if you could kick a person so hard in their fucking leg that it makes them throw up, imagine what would happen if you was to kick a human being in their stomach. They fucking brain might explode. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That shit is crazy. But yeah man competition is always is always a good thing is it's nothing wrong with having a competitive nature it's nothing wrong with having a competitive attitude you know what i'm saying those things are essential especially for martial artists because if you don't compete how can how could you truly test your skill how could you truly say yeah i really know how to pull this arm bar off off my back in a in any given situation it's, it's one thing to be able to successfully do it time and time and time and time and time again drilling it in a controlled situation where the person is not attacking you at all they're just simply going into your guard and letting you go through the, the motions of setting up the arm bar if you can successfully do that multiple times and quickly without messing it up that necessarily doesn't mean that you can pull it off in a real given situation when it's pressure being added and sweat being added and a person trying to hurt you that just means 
that you understand the technicality to doing the each step in the phase of pulling off the technique from start to finish you mastered that well that's what that means so now you have to go in situations where, where you're rolling with people trying to tap you and then see if you can successfully pull that arm bar off from multiple different positions on multiple different opponents then it's different then you can be like well you know i think i'm kind of fucking good at arm bars you know what i'm saying i've been tapping motherfuckers for the past four months with this shit rolling with different people every day at the gym so then it's like yeah so true martial artists they love to compete because it's a it's a chance for them to display their skill you know what I'm saying? Be able to display what it is they've been working on and see how effective it is. So the way you prepare for competition is the most important aspect. If you have poor preparation, you can't expect to perform at your greatest level. You have to prepare for greatness. You know what I'm saying? So the way that people prepare for competition in my opinion, that's going to be the deciding factor of rather, not necessarily whether you win or lose, but how close you put yourself to winning or losing. Now, people do get lucky. Like, it only takes one punch. It only takes one wrong move to get submitted. You know what I'm saying? The, the wrong placement of uh, whatever it is. It, it, a person can lose by making a mistake, but still have been in a position to perform dominantly. So if the mistakes are eliminated, then you put yourself in a higher category with a higher chance of having a higher success rate. So preparation for competition is very important. The way you feel yourself, what you put into your body, you know what I'm saying? Uh, conditioning, strength training, all of that, drilling, sparring. You gotta, you have to spar if you're going to compete, no matter what it is. If it's a TKD tournament, you have to spar with people at your dojo before you get to that fight. You can't just hit pads and just do controlled shit and then expect to be able to beat a person who's going out there trying to beat you. Like, it's, it's not gonna work. You have to spar. If you're preparing for a BJJ tournament, you're gonna have to roll, you know what I'm saying? Multiple times. It's, it's no way around it, you know what I'm saying? You have to train and drill every situation like it's a real thing, you know what I'm saying? So, preparation is, is key, in my opinion. And the more you prepare yourself the better you can perform, all in all. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One more thing I want to touch on before I uh, wrap up this podcast. One more thing I want to touch on. Forgot to uh, mention the the Michael Bisping Hall of Fame induction during um, the UFC Fight Night 147. That shit was raw, man. Michael Bisping was always one of my favorite UK fighters, besides uh, Dan Hardy. I fuck with uh, Ross Pearson too, but uh, Biz Bean was like my number one, you know what I'm saying? And Dan Hardy was second because he was like the rock star and shit, you know what I mean? Back then he had that, uh, the red mohawk and shit with the, the all the tattoos and shit. He was a kickboxer. He was a fucking savage. But yeah, man, they inducted the homie Michael Biz Bean, man. Shout out to Michael Biz Bean. He is a funny-ass motherfucker, man. He tell you what's on his mind, and he don't give a fuck how you take it. And I respect that shit. You know what I mean? So, shout out Michael Bisbing, man. Hall of Fame inductee. It's about time, man. He had a whole... He got a whole nation on his back. You know what I'm saying? He got a whole motherfucking continent on his shoulders, man. Like, Bisbing definitely had a warrior's career with the perfect ending to his career now did he want to end his career losing the belt the way he did fuck no 
But Michael Bisbee don't give a fuck because probably the way he looked at it, he looking at it like, hey, at least I had the belt to lose. Fuck it. I could have ended my career with no belt, you know? So it was, it was raw seeing him get inducted. He didn't even know that that shit was going to happen. He was surprised and he almost started crying. You know what I'm saying? It's just raw to see that, that raw emotion from human beings, you know what I'm saying, people nowadays, they try to act like they don't have no soul, like they don't have no emotions, like man, get the fuck out of here, man, I guarantee you right now, if I was to take your whole hand and put it in between a car door and slam that bitch hard as fuck on all of your fingers, I guarantee you, you gonna cry, your ass gonna scream out in pain and you gonna be fucked up. Nobody's gonna stand there and just be like, damn, this shit even hurt, nigga. Like, no, that shit hurt, bro. All your fucking bones is hanging out your fingers, nigga. You know that shit hurt. Like, it was just good to see that, though, you know. Shout out Bisbing. UFC 147 was great. Don't drink lit energy drink unless your ass about to work out. Check out some Golden Age Muay Thai. Look up Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham. You know what I'm saying? Check out Fight Tips if you ain't never check it out. And try to prepare as good as you can if you about to go into competition, man. Give yourself the chance to prepare as good as you can for competition. Don't, don't cheat yourself. Don't short yourself. Alright, it's your boy Ryan the Warrior Weston. This has been the Head Kick Podcast, episode number two. I hope you enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at RideTheWarrior216. Look me up on Spotify. If you listen to hip-hop music, look me up. My name is R-S-T-O-N-Z-E. That's R Stones. You know. And um, until next time, I'm signing out. Keep the head kicks coming. I hope that you enjoyed today's show and the host. We here at the Head Kick Podcast would like to say thank you for tuning in and we hope to catch you on the next episode. Keep the head kicks coming.